You're listening to the Winsight Podcast Network. Why are restaurants adding service fees all the time? Hello, this is Jonathan Mays, Editor-in-Chief of Restaurant Business, and in this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, I speak with Scott Lawton, the CEO and co-founder of the Bar Taco chain. Bar Taco operates 27 locations, specializing specifically in, you guessed it, tacos. Lawton talks about how the chain was founded and discusses its current growth plans. We talk about the lure of tacos and why they're so popular among restaurant chains these days. And I ask him about customer loyalty and how the chain has been able to build it among its diners of late. But we talk extensively about service charges, which have grown in popularity in restaurants and many other industries for that matter. Scott discusses his reluctance to add them to one of his restaurants and why the chain ultimately gave in and may have to add them elsewhere. We're talking tacos and service charges on a deeper dive this week, so please have a listen. All right, we're here with Scott Lawton. Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Good to see you again. Yeah, nice to see you. So uh, what's going on with Bar Taco? We're moving along. You know, we've opened uh, three more restaurants uh, this year, and we've got three more to go. Uh, we're opening one next week in Brookline, Mass. Um, the new openings have all been very successful for the last year or so. So we're feeling good. Um, customers are still loving what we're doing, and the restaurants are still busy. So we feel really grateful. Yeah. For for people who don't know about Bar Taco, can you tell us a little bit about the concept? Sure. It started 14 years ago in Port Chester, New York. Um, really one of the first full-service taco restaurants that was really dedicated to tacos. So that idea of a full-service taco restaurant was not really a thing back when we did this. Um, and it was sort of the brainchild of Andy Forsheimer, Sasha Marbututs, and myself. We It was kind of based on a real estate play. Uh, we found this really cool space down in Port Chester on the water and had Sasha had been toying around with these ideas of this lifestyle brand that sort of captured a vacation and made you feel like you were uh, transported, but in an affordable and sort of healthy way. Uh, so we had been playing with this idea forever, and uh, it had all sorts of iterations, but it ended up being Bar Taco. Um, and we opened it in the dead of winter. I uh, expected really not to do much in sales, and there were lines out the door. Uh, it really resonated with the customers. Uh, so... We were already, you know, well in the process of growing the uh, Barcelona restaurant group. And this was kind of a side gig. And we suddenly realized we might have lightning in a bottle here. So uh, we started opening more in Connecticut and then Atlanta. And now we have uh, 27 locations and uh, I think it's 12 states and also the District of D.C. So we are kind of, you know, we're growing at a, at a, fairly rapid clip for us. I mean, not, not the way some people are, but, you know, six or seven restaurants a year and trying to do great real estate and trying to, to maintain that level of quality and fresh food and fresh squeezed drinks and vibe and building to the neighborhoods and really trying to fit in. Uh, so that's been a really fun experience trying to grow this brand. Yeah. So tacos are, are it's just like really, it's a, a very hot item in restaurants right now. I mean, I uh, certainly, you know, basically spanning, you know, running the gamut of, of uh, service styles in the restaurant space. 
but you know, we just seen this idea of these, you know, of of sort of essentially higher end or or uh, uh, taco concepts just sort of really explode. What is it about tacos that that kind of resonate with 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 uh, consumers? You know, I mean, I think there's the old classic American taco, which was all we knew for the last 60 years, you know, and, and it was great because it's fun to eat. And, you know, it's got different textures and uh, great flavor delivery method is the taco shell. I think that's where it starts. But then you look at sort of how, you know, Latin influence has really grown here in the United States. It continues to grow. I mean, Modella is now the number one selling beer and tequila has overtaken vodka. So we're seeing this movement here in the United States towards flavor, towards Latin flavored spice, fruit, um, all of these types of things uh, that the American palate really wasn't used to, I don't think, uh, until recently. Uh, so so that's, that's helping. Uh, there's also just some sort of healthful benefits, believe it or not, with tacos, depending on the ones you're eating, of course. You know, they're gluten-free uh, if you're eating a corn shell. And, uh, and, you know, we can play with a lot of ingredients. So you're really eating protein and veggies in a gluten-free shell, which is probably better than a processed bun and cheese and, uh, you know, all those types of things. So, and again, I, I say it's depending on the taco you're eating. But we found that our clientele really loves the bold flavors, but also also sort of the cleaner nature of the food to some degree, uh, which, it, you know, we have a largely female crowd and younger crowd, and this really fits with their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it kind of goes real well. It really does go well. They Tacos do really go well with sort of an experiential, you know, an experience where it's uh i mean it, it actually goes well frankly and uh you know in for delivery and other and and takeout as well which which is which is interesting but i think that you know going out and 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 having uh some drinks with some tacos uh, kind of fits with where a lot of consumers have been going of late to me that's what i uh you know so it just uh, really really works uh quite well and you've got some pretty pretty interesting tacos on your menu as well do you not Oh, yeah. You know, we played around with the rules. I didn't want to try and recreate Mexico. That's not what Bartaco mm -hmm. was. Because, um, frankly, we couldn't do it as well as they could. Uh, you know, the way that they do an El Pastor and, and just uh, the fresh local ingredients that they have there are different. So we really tried to be more sort of in the spirit of the food, which was, you know, finding great ingredients uh, and figuring out ways to make really flavorful bites. Uh, so we have a duck taco. We have a crispy oyster taco. We have a sort of a pork belly taco, which is almost like burnt ends. Um, but we have, you know, lots of different fun proteins that, that we know we can execute at a really high level, um, keep people interested. And we're always rotating and changing and playing. And uh, we try and keep it, keep it, uh, keep it updated and different so that the customers, we have a high frequency with our guests. Our, 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 our average customer comes eight times every six months. So we know that we want to kind of, you know, we want to keep the favorites around, but we also want to bring in some different flavors. So we have secret tacos uh, that people know about every month and things like that. And we keep it interesting. And it doesn't help. It doesn't hurt that we have the best margarita around uh, with a fresh squeeze uh, line for every drink and, you know, that makes a big difference. So it's all part of this sort of communal style of eating that our customers really like. You know, we learned that doing Spanish tapas restaurants, the, the idea of 
communal. So we really brought that to sort of the Mexican experience and, and, and did small plates with lots with chopsticks so you could share and put everything in the middle and made it fun so everybody could eat together. Eight times uh, every six months. That's uh, quite a bit for a full service concept, is it not? Yeah, I'm thrilled that I even know that stat, to be honest <laughs> with you. Uh, because through the uh, ordering with your phone, uh, we now have so much more data on our customers than probably any other full service restaurant. So we're able to sort of track and see how our customers are using us uh, and very specifically. And uh, when we found that stat, that was one where I said, wow. We really have become part of people's lives. Uh, and we've seen, you know, Portchester being the original restaurant has been there 14 years and it has been up six to 10% in sales every year except for one. Um, and, and you probably know that one, but, um, you know, that's, uh, that's, that, that shows we just, you know, people keep coming. They like it. Uh, we, we become part of their lives. We're part of the way they like to eat. You know, their kids love it. Girls love to get together and have drinks together. Whatever it is, uh, we've just kind of become part of the fabric of the communities we're in. Yeah. Any any secret to, to, to building that kind of loyalty? There's lots of secrets to that. I wouldn't say that they're all secrets. I mean, you know, there's the basic standards of good service and high-quality food and a, and a fun place to be. You have to execute that every single day. Um, and then there's a lot of really paying attention – to the things that customers can't articulate, but they feel. So getting really deep into sort of like, you know, we don't have queso dip and we don't have sour cream and we have things that they could go walk out going, Oh, I'm probably not coming back there for a while, but it was good. You know? Um, so we try and really make the food a little cleaner. So you feel okay when you leave. We also pay a lot of attention to the music. Uh, we pay attention to the plants. We pay attention to just all the little details that make the place feel good. Um, you know, we're very much attuned to that. We listen to our customers very carefully. All right. So I can talk about tacos and loyalty and margaritas all day. I do have uh, uh, a question that I need to ask you on this. Now, we one of the things that we've seen a lot in the restaurant space of late is is these surcharges or service fees uh, for various reasons, either healthcare fees or just uh, service charges or service things. Do you have any surcharges in any of your restaurants? So we are piloting it in Denver right now, and not because we wanted to. Um, it just became sort of the math was not working. Um, you know, they've eliminated the tax tip wage. Um, I think it's uh, $15.87 an hour right now for minimum. It's going up to seventeen twenty nine in January. And when you plug that math into just our regular prices and everything else, we went from profitable to flat, uh, or maybe even not profitable. Um, so the math didn't work anymore. And the real challenge is, do you start charging instead of three dollars for a taco, seven dollars? I mean, that just doesn't make sense. Um, and and what really became strange about it is we're a pooled house, so everyone gets a full minimum wage plus a cut of the tips. So all of a sudden, when this law went into place, our staff was making $47 an hour, and we weren't making money. Our, our labor went from 35% to 43% or 44%. So suddenly our staff got a massive raise, um, and we went flat. So here we're trying to figure out how do we do this. And, and we really wanted to make sure our staff still made a professional wage, like a, a good, strong living wage. You know, they were making – in the range of 32 to $33 an hour before that. Um, so, 
you know, how do we get them there, but also have a profitable business? Uh, that was the question. So the service charge really was the only thing we could find that made sense. And so adding the service charge, basically, we have sort of an 80-20 um, an split on the service charge. So there's a service charge that you read about when you check in on the phone that you're going to be charged. And and 80% goes to the house and 20% actually still adds to the to the tips, tip pool, um, which brought the team back to the number that they were at, essentially. Um, and it was able to let us divert some of those funds, though they are heavily taxed. Um, some of those back into the restaurant, which was, gave us the sort of opportunity to equalize that. What was a happy surprise was um, we still saw that staff, that, that customers were tipping uh, around 9 to 10%, still adding a tip for great service and great food, which gave a little boost to the servers, uh, which we were happy about. So, so as scared as we were to do it, we didn't know another way without making the prices look outrageous. Uh, one of the reasons why I've never opened the Bar Taco in Manhattan is because I can't charge reasonable prices, uh, and it doesn't make sense to sell tacos at absorbent prices to me. So, but since we've done it, you know, the staff wages um, are well over twenty-five an hour, around thirty, depending. Um, guests are still tipping. Uh, we've had very limited complaints. Uh, we've seen guest sentiment has stayed the same and traffic has been stable. So this has been since April that we've been doing it. I'm not saying we're going to do it everywhere because we're not, but when we're put in a position where the laws have changed in a way that we, our math model doesn't work, this has been the solution, the best thing we could come up with. And so far it seems to be working so far. I mean, honestly, the customers still pay more, but when you, you know, when you raise wages to a certain point, it, it's got to get passed through somehow. And this was our most creative way to think about it. Uh, we we hate fees. Trust me, we're getting them from from the digital world all the time, and we are not fans. And uh, I'm not a fan personally of it. Um, so this was a very heavy decision we had to make. Uh, but so far, it's been going okay. It sounds though like you you also not just uh, from a, you know from a, a cost profitability standpoint. But you didn't your a bunch of your competitors had already started doing it. Was that or uh, the the restaurants in your area? Yeah, had already we, we were the first ones to do it. Uh, we waited. Um, you know, we took a beating for a couple months, um, and we just kind of wanted to see how the market was going to react and what people were going to do. And we certainly didn't want to be the first one throwing a fee on, so we we waited to see, and we did see. It was happening everywhere in some way, shape, or form, and I think they're still figuring it out a lot of restaurants in Denver. So, yeah, we, we, we did a market study first uh, before we got in and did it. Mm-hmm. Now, how did the servers react when you, when, when you did that? Because you went kind of from, what, $30 an hour to 40 to back down to 30 in situations like that. How, well, what kind of reaction well, that? We don't have servers. So, mm-hmm. you know, Taco had set up a situation – through COVID where we had eliminated the server and we had, a, we had salaried service leaders that take care of, of the, the restaurant, of the guests. So really everyone who's tipped is a uh, food runner, drink runner, cook, dishwasher. So that kind of shielded us. I think we would have had a lot more fallout had we had servers. Mm-hmm. But you said customers didn't really really react. That's that's interesting. I mean, is it uh, is it? Do you think that is because 
Did you, did you, I mean, let me say, did, I mean, when at that, at that restaurant, do, did you get a, give them, are you letting your customers know that this, this fee is going to be applied? How do you let, how does that work? So, you know, you, you order with your phone at our restaurant. So if you tap uh, or scan the QR mm-hmm. code, uh, it comes up. And once you're registering your credit card, or you may already be a customer of ours, the first page it takes you to let you know that there is a service fee that's going to be attached at the end. There's also an opportunity to leave a tip if you would like. It, it shows you that in the beginning. Uh, so, so they're made aware of it. And, you know, then they get the check at the end, they'll see it. So um, we have had very few complaints. Like I, I can count on one hand since April, um, which I was shocked by. I thought it would be a lot more significant, to be honest with you. Part of it, I think, though, is it's happening so much in that market right now that they're having to accept it, you know? We're going to see that in other markets soon, like D.C. Really? Yeah, I mean, D.C. has a similar situation, does it not? Yeah, we're moving towards that right now. It's a, and I haven't done anything there yet, but we are we are looking at our options. So it's um, you know we've definitely seen a significant you know when this happens, it's a five to seven hundred basis point hit on the on the prime cost. So you've got to figure something out, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there. Um, I mean, we we do know that we're seeing a rapid increase, certainly in the DC market and in other markets where where you know you see these situations where you know when they eliminate the tip credit, we're you know we're seeing you know a rapid increase in the use of services. I'm in, I'm in Minnesota, and and uh, you know we see a similar situation here. Yeah, you I mean, know, you you've had that that situation there for a long time, actually. Oh yeah, I pay service fees all the time. And I, when I, yeah. it's, 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 but it was not common. I would say it's, it, it was not as nearly as common a year ago. And I think that the increase in, well, I mean, we've seen an increase in, in, in wages, minimum wages, real wages, and in, uh, you know, in labor costs over really the past two years. And I think it's sort of forced operators to, you know, to take steps like this more aggressively. And uh, and you actually see it at all kinds of restaurants um, at this particular point. So it's it's uh, far more common than it just was even just a year ago. Um, You're realizing that labor is just going to be a larger component of our prime cost than it ever has been. That's, that's just the reality. So now, you know, I think as an industry, a lot of us are waking up to how do we get more efficient with our cost of goods and our operating expenses and everything else. Let's make sure those, those are as tight as they can be uh, to make room for that. You know, so there, there has always been, I think a little bit of fat on the other side that, that we're all looking at now, which is probably a good thing. But uh, if cost of goods go up significantly, like right now, you know, luckily uh, food prices are fairly stable and not terrible, but we we're going to be in trouble if that happens, when that happens. Yeah, yeah. I do believe, uh, I agree. I, I think labor as a percent, I, th- I think labor is just going to be harder to find than it was just a few years ago in perpetuity, uh, absent something drastic to fix the supply of labor in the United States. And uh, I don't believe automation, and certainly for full for, for, for full service concepts, 
uh, or any service oriented. I just don't think that automation is going to fix enough of it to affect that in any real degree. A lot of people probably will disagree with me on that, but I really don't think automation is going to save the day. And so it's just probably going to force operators to think outside, you know, you know, a little bit differently and thus we have, uh, you know, service fees and, and probably see a lot more of it um, going forward for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's some of that. We're starting to see a real reaction towards customers, towards just fees in general and tipping at the gas station or whatever it may be, you know, um, that, you know, all these things are getting thrown in and you've got these certain POS companies that are trying to take full advantage of that and that every kind of fee they can think of, you know? Um, and so we're feeling that as operators right now too. I mean, I'm not because I stay away from those certain companies, but, but you know, it's scary. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's, it's one, the one thing interesting about these, about the fees is that, I mean, in reality, what they end up paying, what the customer ends up paying in a situation like that, it would be the same with the fees as it would be like, let's say if you decide we are going to raise the cost of our taco or margarita, I mean, the, at the, the end result is still the same, is it not? So what is the mentality that, you know, the fee is better than a higher cost of taco? Well, for what we did, ultimately the customer wasn't paying that much more because what we did, if you think about it, was we had to give a raise to everybody to the, on their hourly pay. So we ended up taking it out of some of the tip by creating a service fee that really essentially was the tip, you know? Um, so it, it felt almost cost neutral to those customers other than if they decide to throw on an extra 10% or whatever. But the bill, we just had that, we got pushed in one direction, so we had to move in the other sort of. Uh, that, that was how we were thinking about it at the time. Um, there's others that are just throwing on fees now, you know, there's people that are putting on a credit card charge fee now, or they're, you know, things that, 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 that restaurants used to just absorb. Um, so, so those are gratuitous extra fees, if you ask me, but the way we did it with this fee was we reduced the tip basically and, and, and increased their hourly wage. So that was kind of how we tried to play the game. Now, granted, we got hit with a lot more taxes, so it's not nearly as profitable, but but that was um, that was the play there. Mm-hmm. Now, do you see is, do you see the tip is actually uh, more? Is it still relatively obligatory the actual tip, uh, or do you think that it really does go to to your better service service? I think I think tipping is just just become totally habitual to a large degree. I think when you go to a, I mean, I think people will add an extra tip for over and above, but I think they add a pretty high tip for average to not so great, you know? So I, I've seen that change. Um, you know, I'm curious, you know, America is a tipping culture and I'm curious if with all of this, if this is going to change, um, if, if it's just going to be more like the European model where it's, Lower tipping is just an ad as an over and above and everything's baked into the fee, uh, sort of, you know, part of that makes me sad, especially for white tablecloth and great restaurants, because I think there's something we do really well here, which is really serve people. And I think the tipping model has always helped with that, but there's also some real inequity that comes from the tipping model, uh, specifically how the kitchens get compensated and things like that. So, uh, 
I'm not giving you a right or wrong answer here. I'm just telling you, you know, some of the differences I see. So. Yeah, yeah. I I probably would prefer a system in which a tip is a, you know, I mean, I don't, uh, you know, where, where a tip is for better service. That's, if you ask me, that's what I probably would prefer. I would like the option to be able to, to give some, I would like to be able to give a tip for really good service. Or, you know, for whatever reason, yesterday I, I gave a, a substantial tip at a food truck uh, because I felt that that dude deserved it. And, you know, I would like to have the option as a customer, if it becomes obligatory, then it's obligatory. And then I don't feel like I have the option. I feel like I have to do it. Otherwise, somebody is going to consider me a bad temper. Things like, and I mean, to me, that's probably my my preference. It would be interesting to see where where this goes. It's kind of weird. Like they've got these handhelds where you got to pay at the table, and the server will hand you the handheld and stand over your shoulder while you're while you're filling it out. <laughs> they need the handheld back because they got to go because it's also their ordering device, you know. But how weird does it feel having to tip somebody who's over your shoulder looking at the percentage like that? You know, I mean, that's not the way it should be. Um, so there's still a lot to figure out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, totally. Scott, this was great. Really appreciate you joining me on the podcast. This was wonderful. Yeah, happy to be here, Jonathan. And that should do it for this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, which was edited, as always, by Kimmy Spoons Kazmarek. Artwork by Nico Hines. You may subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere else you get your podcasts. I'm Jonathan Mays, your host, podcast producer, and the editor-in-chief of Restaurant Business. Thank you for listening. <music>